from the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England. I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. Hi there. Welcome to the Peaky Agileist podcast, where I get curious about all things agile. Simply put, agile is about responding to change as quickly as possible, which can be pretty useful in today's fast-paced world. In each episode, I'll be inviting authors, thought leaders and a few friends to share their stories and insights in everyday language that even I can understand. So sit back, grab a samosa or two and enjoy. So I'm super excited today to be welcoming Erin uh, Randall, who's an agile coach and entrepreneur. Uh, she's an active believer in servant leadership. She's one of the co-founders of the Agile Coaching Circles. She also co-leads the Agile Austin Coaching Group, uh, and she's currently active in mentoring individuals to help them achieve their specific goals in their work. She lives in glorious Austin, Texas. I'm so jealous uh, with her two dogs and husband, Joel. Welcome, Erin, to the show. Thank you, Patty. I'm really happy to be here. And I am especially privileged today because I know Erin has driven something like eight hours from her home to make sure she had a good Wi-Fi connection. So I do feel yeah. privileged today, Erin. So thank you so much for that. I'm happy to do so. I uh, I know what, I was visiting my parents up in Montana because I had a client up there that I was doing some work with. And I know that the Wi-Fi is very shoddy in rural Montana, and this was not the time to have it go out. So Colorado it was. Great, great. And I've, I don't think I've ever been to Colorado. So um, yeah, like- You're quite missing. It's quite lovely here. Uh, big fan of it. Hmm. I see you've got your scarf on and stuff. So is that an indication of the, the weather there or is that just for fashion? No, it's because I know from experience that a good scarf can save a bad outfit and it makes you look slightly put, put together. So uh, a scarf is just my nod to um, please don't look below my neck. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. Um, so no, Erin, I am really excited about this session because Coaching is a real passion of mine, and I'm so glad I found it. I discovered it. Um, it's it's a big part of what I do. So I'm in awe of uh, of, of what you do because you do this for a living, a full time living. So um, I'm really interested to know more about you. How did you end up in this role uh, as a career, um, and what were those sort of steps that led up to that? Well, uh, like most good agilists, I wound up here a bit by accident. I used to be a technical writer and I would serve uh, engineering teams in that capacity. And we had a new CTO come in and he wanted to make an agile transformation. And the person that was going to be the scrum master opted to leave. And it really bothered me that I was seeing things drop that I knew that the team normally did and did well. And so I volunteered to step over and do it. And that was, oh, 10 years ago, maybe more at this point. Um, but the funny thing is, is that I found that I loved that work and I started going deeper and deeper into it. And it was one of those things that, you know, the more study I did and the more reflection I did on it, I wanted to be better at it. And I noticed that my reading habits were changing from, you know, British mysteries and novels to, hey, let's go read about, you know, what's Jeff Sutherland saying about this? Or what are the behavioral dynamics? Or, you know, flat, what's psych, you know, the organizational psychology of something? So um, I did what most other people would do at that point, I think. You know, um, I started going to uh, the, 
it was the last, you know, it was the IC Agile boot camps uh, for, you know, Agile coaching and Agile team facilitation. And then right after that, I turned that around and did what turned out to be the last gem cohort uh, that Lisa Adkins and David Chilcott uh, offered. So I did that work and um, really just continued from there. I went ahead and I did a coactive coaching certification. Uh, I just finished that up, but I've also done the enterprise work at this point. Um, and if you look at my training budget over the next year and a half, it's uh, already spent and uh, I know where it's going next, so. Wow, and and so sounds sounds like, you know, education is a big part of sort of building your expertise in this space and in this role. Um, I guess for any other budding agile coaches out there, uh, you know, could you could you give some advice to them in terms of the type of learning to to go for, where to start? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm a big fan of education and experience both. Okay, mm -hmm. so that means that I will do the education, but then I will double down uh, if there's a cohort that is applicable and that I feel will be a good addition. I will oftentimes do that cohort work as well because it gives me a safe place to practice. But I also admit to being somewhat tenacious and uh, fearless. And so just because I've just learned a new skill does not mean that I'm unwilling to try it on a team. I'm just upfront with them about it and say, hey, I'm practicing something here. What would it be like if we did this together? And then just give me feedback at the end. Got it. And you, you mentioned uh, IC Agile as a, as a core sort of learning pathway for you. Uh, I, I guess, why, why did you choose that particular pathway versus perhaps some others out there? Was there any particular reason for that? Uh, because I had read Lisa Adkins' book, Coaching Agile Teams, and you know, at this point, it's dog-eared and highlighted and underlined and written in. And you know, I knew that work. You know, she was associated with that side. I think, excuse me, she was associated with that side. And so that's um, the route that I did. But it was really that follow-on cohort uh, with Lisa and David and Mike Edwards. And honestly, I'm still in touch with many of those people from that cohort. Um, yeah. In fact, a couple of them are uh, within agile coaching circles now as well. I mean, they're, they're facilitators on that side. But um, I like education, not just for education's sake, but when I know it's going to be of the best uh, quality and service and what I'm going to need to be of service to my teams. Great. No, and, and that, that, that's fantastic because actually, the reason you and I are talking is actually uh, because of Lisa Atkins. Yeah, she, she sort of uh, she was at a, a meetup I was running, and um, and I begged her. I said, Lisa, I need more female guests on my show, uh, and I'd love to connect with some awesome agile coaches. And uh, and your name came up, so uh, thank you, Lisa. <laughs> well, it's kind of one of those. Uh, there's this old joke. It was an old election joke about I have binders of women. And I think, you know, most of us anymore, we're trying to have binders of or lists of people that we're like, hey, this person's really good, but they're not getting enough airplay or time or they're not getting out in front. And how do we help them move forward? And Lisa's really wonderful about that. She doesn't just try to, you know, keep everything to herself. She's mm -hmm. really open about sharing and elevating other people too. Yeah. And nice. And in, in terms of the sort of coaching that you offer, Erin, like, could you, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, you know, obviously I started as an agile coach and that's, I kind of think of it as one leg of the milk stool uh, that I work with anymore. Um, but because I was doing that work and it became increasingly apparent to me 
that um, I was going to need additional training because I was noticing uh, men primarily would come in and I would call it garage sale all over the room because they didn't have someone else to talk to. They would just literally unload everything. And my family's hobby is medical school. So I, I do understand the closeness that coaching is to counseling or therapy. It's not the same, but it does butt right up next to that. And the ethics of doing this work mindfully and well and to the very best of my ability are of paramount importance to me. And so that meant, Aaron, you're going back and you're going to go back and do some more coaching work. And that was really the coactive side uh, where I did that because I wanted to know that I was covered and that I knew the difference between the two and could execute that work ethically and mindfully and well. And this is why I do feel comfortable coming in with people. Okay, we can start over here in Agile, but if something else is coming, I feel like I can be of service there to them without crossing a boundary. And, but I'm also, you know, if I ever sense something, you know, I'm really, really clear with uh, new clients that there are a couple of things that I cannot work with. You know, one, number one is active addiction. I'm not able to be a coach in that regard. And number two, if I sense um, depression, particularly I'm, I'm, I watch those swings there, if, especially if I think it might be bipolar. Um, I do refer them back to their own medical person, you know, their own medical personnel, mm. or just say, hey, you're going to need someone with different initials that I have. I'm happy to work with you in conjunction with uh, your counselor or your therapist or your doctor, but I need to know that someone else is caring for you as well. Mm. No, that's that's a great point. And, and I think the, the ethics of coaching, that I absolutely agree that that's so important. Um, and, and I know I've had colleagues in the past that perhaps don't fully appreciate or understand what coaching is versus therapy and some of these other uh, specialisms. Um, and, and people sometimes just club it all together to say, oh, you, you, you get a coach so you can offload your problems. And it's like, no, 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 no. Um, my job as a coach is to help you move forward. Mm. And yes, we might look at some of the things that had happened in the past, but it's really, how do you want to move forward from here? Mm. Um, and I know a lot of really great counselors and psychiatrists, and they're there to help you with that regard. So for me, knowing, you know, the, it was the additional education portion of that, and then the practice of it, and bringing it home on the ethics side, that make me feel comfortable where I've taken that stance and not like I'm crossing a boundary. Right. Yeah. And Erin, do, do you feel um, that your people are born as natural coaches or do you think it's a skill that we learn? Well, I'm clearly a product of, it is a skill that I've learned. Um, people like to say, Oh, you're a natural or, you know, you're something in this. Oh, of course you're going to do that. I'm of the school of hard knocks, experience, practice, humility, uh, when something kicks, you're going to take the kick, learn from it, and get back up. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> true story, when I very first started coaching, and I, and I tell this to, well, frankly, everybody, but I was terrible at questions. I mean, I was terrible. I would ask really good yes-no questions, but they were a yes-no question. And so I had to learn uh, to ask powerful, open-ended questions. And the way that I did that was practice, but I would flashcard myself with a deck of powerful questions. So it would retrain my brain for that. So yes, there might be elements of kind of a, you know, natural fit for something, but um, 
you know, it's of the Angela Duckworth, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, you're going to practice this skill until you're blue in the face. If this is what you want, um, I think Liz Gilbert called it, you know, you're going to eat a crap sandwich for a while. And uh, yeah, I'm willing to. I'm willing to practice and to go do this and to get feedback to continue to improve. This work, um, you know, again, it goes back to Liz Gilbert, you know, is it a hobby job, you know, vocation? And I feel that this is my vocation and this is my calling because mm -hmm. I see the effect that it has for people and organizations. And that means everything to me. Mm. And and what what has been some of the feedback? So some of the good news stories that you've seen. Um, in fact, it was just last week. I was working with an individual who was reticent to begin with, but we'd done several sessions, and uh, that individual's uh, feedback was, "You were put in my life for a reason," and oh. it was said with tears in that person's eyes. And this was a person who had never tried this sort of thing, but had gradually opened up more and more. And we were able to get to a very different plane and how that person worked and operated and thought. Um, I had one longtime client tell me that um, they had gotten further with me in a year than they had with over 10 years of seeing a therapist. I've had people make, and I'm going to try not to tear up here, um, they made huge changes in their life. Um, you know, they moved, they started a new adventure, you know, they were able to adopt and to know that I'm able to support people to make that kind of work possible. I do it all again in a heartbeat. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Just just even <laughs> observing the way you were telling the, those stories, I can tell there's a lot of a lot of emotion attached. And um yeah, yes. that, that, that's really moving. Yeah. Nice. No, thank you for sharing that. Um and the other thing that sprung to mind there was, you know, do you see uh, a difference between say men and women in terms of uh, utilizing coaching and you know is is there a difference do do one hmm. does one gender embrace it more than the other or is that too stereotypical of me to ask that question do you think you know i never thought about that is one gender more willing than the other to utilize coaching um You know, I think that would be a really good question to ask uh, if we had a panel almost, you know, and split amongst gender, mm -hmm. because I personally coach both men and women. Um, I, thinking about it now, yes, my practice does skew slightly more female, um, but I serve all ages. You know, I've got people who are, you know, nearing retirement, um, but are also that are much younger, you know, really just out of university. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know on that one. And now I, <laughs> I want to find someone with a database to go crunch to find out what the answer is on that. Um, hmm. And if you ever find the answer, let me know. 
Yeah, no, I was I was just curious because I just sort of there, there is often a stereotype, um, especially when it. Well, actually, there's there's probably some fact behind it. I mean, when we talk about, for example, um, men going to the doctor, uh, mm-hmm. and I know there's there's statistics in the UK anyway that prove that men are less likely to go to their local doctor, uh, or they they go less often. So mm-hmm. I was just thinking, is there some is there some similar pattern when it comes to coaching? Um, Maybe, maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe it goes back to trust. Because mm. um, I found there is, you know, developing trust within that relationship. Once, once we have it, um, yeah, I, I work with a lot of men. Um, once we have trust, I, I don't think they're unwilling at all. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go ask all the men that I work with now. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's great. Okay, so let's let's move on. And I was thinking we could have a little bit of fun. So if imagine um, I'm a coachee and you're my coach, and I was wondering if we could do a quick simulation just to show the process perhaps to mm-hmm. someone who either hasn't experienced coaching or, you know, just to bring it to life a little bit for them. Sure. So I'll be in your capable hands. Okay. You let me know right. how you would like well, then we're going to treat this almost like you're coming in through the agile coaching circles because we want to model that really clear uh, arc and the like. So the first thing I would do would let's design an alliance together. And the first part of any good alliance is Vegas rules. What happens between the two of us and all of the podcast listeners at this point uh, <laughs> will stay between the two of us and all of our podcast listeners. Is that okay with you? That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Okay. Number two, um, you're going to hear me ask a lot of big, powerful questions, but I'm also going to do things like challenge you or perhaps use metaphor or, you know, acknowledge you or mirror something. So this is me asking permission of you to do things like that in service of our coaching work. That's absolutely fine. Okay. And number three, what do you need in this relationship? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think... I think trust was was probably quite key. So whatever I reveal, having trust Certainly. and um, maybe some sincerity behind it. So it doesn't it doesn't feel fake, even though I know we're simulating we're simulating this. No. Um it's kind of once I start doing an alliance, I almost lock in in a different way. But my first question then for you is uh, what's important for you? What's your topic today? Oh, okay. So I have a real passion for visual thinking. Okay. So this has been something that I guess as, as a child, I, I felt I was quite creative and mm-hmm. then I put it to one side for many years. And I think through Agile and the Agile work that I've been doing over the last few years, I've rediscovered that passion. And um, what I would love to do is discover where I could take it going forward. Okay. How is, how is visual thinking? How is that resonant for you? Um, it's as in how, how does it um, make, why does it make me feel good? Yeah. Um, or why is this topic so important for you? I mean, really what kind of jangles inside you're like, this is, this is important to me now. Hmm. No, that's a great question. Um, I think for, for me, 
when I started experimenting with it. So I, I, I didn't experiment with the intention of it becoming a thing. It was just by accident. And I, I learned a few doodles from a couple of books and I started using it in my training um, with delegates. And I just got such a nice response and a really positive response. And the feedback was so nice. And, and I just felt that there's something in this and it was something I enjoyed. Uh, it was something that actually when I'm, when I'm practicing it, I, I think it gives me a lot of joy. So that's probably why. I suddenly have this image of that small child that you were um, putting, you know, this visual thinking, this visual design to the side, but now all of a sudden you're bringing it back. What's that child trying to give you? Oh, I, I think it's almost to, to think openly and don't be restricted by anything. And so oh. I, I think as a child, I had that mindset that anything was possible. I could do anything. I could do things with freedom. As I grew up, I, I think there were a lot of restrictions, a lot of um, constraints that I had to then adhere to and work within. Uh, I worked for big corporates. Uh, and I think, you know, there was a lot of almost adhering to and, and complying with the rules within those corporates. So even things like, you know, not to wear a tie into the office was mm -hmm. seen as a big no-no. And that, that for me was like, what? Um, yeah. and I think what the visual thinking allows me to do, it, it allows me to think back to that time when I was that child where I had complete control. I could pretty much do whatever I want creatively. Um, I was watching your body language when you were talking about that child. You know, what was the child? And there's a lot of kind of bringing forth, bringing out. Yeah, right. What do you need to bring out that's inside? I think some of my personality. I, I think it really allows me to sort of remove the the mask sometimes. So, um, you know, there's there's times when I think I do put on a certain front because mm -hmm. of the audience. But I think with the visual thinking, it just allows me to be myself. So if I draw something a bit quirky or I want to express a certain idea, yeah. it, it may not be your regular business speak. So for example, um, the other week I was explaining the invest acronym in agile. Mm -hmm. um, for stories. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The bill wake um, acronym for user stories. And I used a, a cup of tea as my analogy and metaphor. Right. And so it was just totally unrelated to user stories. It, it wasn't really something that I think most people would, would relate to, but is my crazy mind thinking about, well, how, right. could I, how could I bring this concept to life for someone who doesn't know it? I, I want to talk more about that later because honestly, metaphor is wonderful and it's such a powerful tool. What do you want to give to people by bringing that inner self, the one that's hidden out? I think it would help connect more with people. And what, what I found is actually through working in this remote environment um, with, with COVID and everything else, the one of the challenges is how do we connect better with people in a remote setting? And mm. I've, yeah. I've found that even through something as simple as drawing visuals and talking them through with people, 
I, I'm, I'm able to connect with people much quicker than if I had perhaps put a PowerPoint slide on the screen or I was just talking things through without any visual aid. And suddenly seeing that PowerPoint, you're up there with your tie, you know, you're like, oh, you know, I'm proud you know, but suddenly when you're drawing cups of tea and quirky and it's the side I see now that's coming forward, how can you I, share this with more people? Um, that's a really good question. I So I, I, I think I've, I've started opening up a little bit more about it now, um, but I, I think up until probably even three, three months ago, it was just something I had within me. And I, I was thinking about, well, what could I do with this? Where should I go with it? Um, but then the one day I approached a good friend of mine, uh, Grant Wright, who is another visual thinker. And, um, and, and, and I just said, look, hey, should we like get together and set up a meetup on visual thinking? Not knowing what we were gonna do with it, not even having any kind of plan. And, um, and him being as mad as me said, yes, let's do it. And <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we set this up and it's called the Visual Jam. And so, I think that was the first time when I really opened up about visual thinking to think that it was something that was worth talking about to other people. And um, here comes the challenge portion. How can you amplify this? How can you make it even bigger? Wow. That's a great question. I mean, at the moment, Erin, what I see even from that community um, within the visual jam is we we haven't really promoted it in any way. It was supposed to be a local meetup in our local city, uh, but because of COVID, it, it's a virtual remote session. <laughs> um, and uh, and every meetup, it just gets bigger and bigger. So like the next one, which is next week, um, we we had filled out our 100 spaces within 48 hours um, and it's a yeah. free event. And um so I had to upgrade my Zoom account. Um, so now we have up to 500 people that can attend. Uh, and I think we're up to almost 300 registered people on there. Um, but yeah, I'd love to take it bigger. Like how, how could we okay. take it any bigger than that? Like, yeah. I'd I love to see you step into this because I see, you know, you get more exacerbated and just, but I love seeing this in you. Thank you for bringing that forward. All right. So I'm going to kind of speed through the other side of the arc right there. What would accountability look like here? To take this forward and make it much bigger? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Um, so I think I, I think for me, I would have to probably start to start to focus on the things that are really going to help um, mm -hmm. and almost deprioritize things that are either holding me back or, or going to get in the way. So as an example, um, I've had a few invitations for some speaking engagements, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of those are on non-visual thinking topics, so on agile topics. And I think if I really want to expand this visual thinking side, I should start to prioritize visual thinking over some of these. Okay. Focus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So that's that side of it. Um, would a check-in help? Oh, tell me more about a check-in. Mm, in other words, I'm not going to pick up your monkey, but if you, this is something that's important to you. Do you want to check in with me regarding, you know, your focus on visual thinking? Ah, okay. So almost like a, I'll commit to do this now and then we'll 
talk. Bingo. Exactly. That'll be really useful. All right. All right. So I will make certain that uh, you either have my email address or my WhatsApp so that you can let me know how it's going and what the next step is. Superb. Thank you. That was a very rapid coaching arc. Normally I would have, you know, more in the middle there about really exploring that topic and drawing that forward, but we did it really quickly here just to demonstrate that full side. Yeah, no. And, and I, and I think, you know, if, if obviously, cause obviously you have to sort of break it down um, for someone that's listening, but I think if, if you hadn't mentioned that now we're going to this part or this part um, as a coachee, it would have felt just so natural that you know right. you're just almost um, guiding me along. Yeah. Um, this is why we have those agile coaching circles. This is why they exist because what we were seeing is people need a safe place to go practice these skills. The only way you get great at something is you go practice and get feedback on on what you were doing. Right. And. You know, my friend Carrie Sudi and I, we'd been doing Agile coaching circles under Agile Austin uh, for about a year and a half. And then COVID went into play. And all of a sudden we're like, why do we have people from Tasmania in the coaching circle? And I literally remember, I'm like, oh, we need to have global coaching circles at different times. You know, it's kind of like, how could I have missed the elephant in the room? I mean, it was right bloody there. <laughs> And so I called a couple of friends, you know, it was in fact, one of the uh, people that I did one of those very first boot camps with uh, Dino, I called up Dino and Jasper, who was in my um, um, agile coaching expert cohort. Um, that that last one, with Lisa Adkins, um, I called them, I'm like, you guys, does this idea have legs? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it does. And, you know, the four of us carry, you know, Jasper, Dino and myself, we got together and we built, you know, we built one for Europe. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we pulled in some people, uh, my friend Yogita uh, from the US. And now we have uh, five around the world, uh, including Africa. Uh, that one, in fact, just met yesterday. And it's really wonderful to see so many people start to come in. Uh, wow. for these. And we have one in both, we <laughs> I was going to say Western, and I'm like, that's a new word. <laughs> but we have one in Eastern uh, Australia, New Zealand, and then one on the West Coast as well to help coming up that Asia side. But uh, Dino is also about to get a Spanish, uh, like a Spanish language agile coaching circle off the ground too. So oh. that's really to be of service to the community like that. That's a really good feeling. Mm. Because the only way we're going to get great, the only way is if we practice. Right. And there, yeah. And I guess there's only so much practice you can do with your dogs or your your children, right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, the dogs, um, they're therapy for me more than anything because they wind up going on a lot of hikes with me right. and uh, have to listen to me. You know, what is she listening to again? Oh, she's listening to On Being with Krista Tippett, or she's, you know. I'm listening to Atomic Habits right now too. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. No, I'm really excited about um, the Agile Coaching Circles. I, I know there's one coming up, and uh, you've given me the details for it. So, I'm <laughs> hoping to yeah. attend that one. So that would be really good. Uh, we hope too. Um, honestly, we can support as many people that want to come. And you know, for us, we treat this as an Agile project uh, ourselves. Mm. We um, we do feedback sessions amongst one another 
every after every single session. We ask for feedback from the people that attend. We try to be experimental. Um, you know, we're really open about it. Mm. And we're really good about it's like, okay, we've got these things to do and people kind of just slide in and, you know, pick up different chunks. And it's been a really rewarding thing to be a part of. No, it sounds fantastic. And Erin, we'll put sort of details in the show notes as well so people can find where to go if they're interested. Um, in terms of who it's aimed at, would you say, um, you know, it, it's primarily agile coaches that are already? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, this is aimed at, frankly, anybody that wants to practice those agile coaching and mentoring skills. So right. you can be a scrum master that is curious about coaching and wants to begin to develop that side. You could be an agile coach that really wants to deepen and practice those skills to have them be more effective. You could be an agile leader that, you know, you've been hearing a lot about coaching and mentoring and, you know, you're supposed to be able to do this part too. And you really don't know, you know, what's going on with that. We welcome anybody that wants to try those skills out and deepen them. We, um, we have what's called a main teaching or a demo room where uh, we might demo either agile coaching or mentoring there. But we also give anybody who is more experienced, if you meet, just want to come into the meetup, we will put you into a breakout room with either one person or, you know, two people, depending on how many people we have. Um, and you'll do practice. You know, it's like, you're just going to practice coaching or mentoring, whatever the other person, you know, wants, and then you're going to switch. But we also have uh, that person there for feedback. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it now. So uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, it sounds really, really uh, like a really great initiative. Um, and I, I am actually surprised there's not more of this out there. So it's a great um, one for you to have discovered. We were really, um, because Carrie uh, Sudi, she had just finished, and I'm extraordinarily proud of her because she was the first person to go through the uh, cohort to, to earn both the IC Agile expert in Agile coaching as well as enterprise coaching. Right. And so she was talking with IC Agile anyway, and IC Agile is like, yes, we would like to back this. So they're, you know, recognizing this is this is a place to go practice this work because mm. we always have, you know, one of the expert level coaches associated with every circle. So we know that, you know, there are people there that can demo that quality of work, you know, mm. for it and to help right. with feedback. So, yeah. Got it. Fantastic. Okay. So let's quickly move on to um, some of your entrepreneurial side. I know you've uh, recently <laughs> uh, sort of expanded your own um, sort of offering. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. I'm actually always surprised how um, I never saw myself in this regard. And all of a sudden I realized that I am there. And because I have people kind of crawling over the wall going, what are you doing over there? I need to talk to you. about." Uh, so yeah, uh, about a, well, it was really in February of this year. Um, I'd started my own, you know, practice late last year, but I knew that I was going to be in Tanzania in January. So I was really kind of just waiting till I got back from Tanzania to really get serious about uh, doing this work. Uh, that I launched my own coaching practice. And that was, you know, individuals, organizations, teams, you know, whomever needed that kind of uh, service and got that up and going. But really that was just in time for COVID, you know, to come through the door too. So, you know, you're like, huh, this is really interesting. Um, so, you know, I just kept, kind of kept at it with, you know, just go up the wall. How do you build a practice? One person at a time. 
then I started thinking, I'm like, there's got to be a way because this year is, let's be honest, it's unholy, especially here in the U.S. with the presidential election right now. It's, it's just awful. So I got to thinking, you know, how do we help people uh, get clear about what is important to them and to really show up for themselves? And so I built uh, Magnesium. And Magnesium is really a group coaching initiative that I'm going to run for the first time between uh, Thanksgiving and New Year here in the U.S. And what it is, it's three, you know, group coaching sessions where we go through a workbook. And that is, um, you know, how do you reflect and release on this year? Because as much pain as there has been, there is still good to be had. Hmm. There's still lessons that we can learn from. Week two is really about rejoicing you know, acknowledging all of that good uh, and getting ready for what you want in 2021. So week one and week two are kind of the co-active side of my coaching because mm-hmm. week three, we're going in, here's where we're going to start putting rubber to, rubber to the road. All right. What are the three big goals that you want to accomplish in 2021? What is the question that you want to work to answer with your life this year? What are the five ways that you want to be in this year? And, uh, Spoiler alert, people are going to learn about Kanban boards. And so (laughs) I know uh, not everybody doing this work is an agile coach. So there are going to be some people for whom this is completely new, but leaning into that side of transparency, inspection, adaptation, really bringing that in and helping people to understand how breaking down work and then start moving it through a system. And you were talking about focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to choke the system too. Not too much work is going to come in at one time. Um, But I was really lucky. I had um, Rob Brodell. He is an amazing product manager and he's been so helpful with me on number one, helping me to treat this like a real product. You know, Aaron, what's your mission? What's your vision for this? Uh, Think about my audience. Uh, He and I sat down and talked about it. He's like, Let's think about this a little bit differently too. How do you want to bring this then into 2021? And so there's a follow-on accountability piece, which is where it's quarterly check-ins, but putting people in a Slack instance and really having a place to monitor. And I'm not using monitor in the oversight, but you know what is interesting to people? Are there a lot of people out there who are interested in finding a new job? Are there a lot of people who would really want to make health changes? So what resources can I help to provide there? Hmm. Uh, to amplify what they're trying to get done. Um, And really magnesium is just the start because I'm going to build what I'm going to call the element series. And I, in fact, I need to get a few more things done uh, this month. And then I'm going to be breaking down uh, how I want to build around questions uh, to really oxygenate a system. That'll be the next element is oxygen. Uh, How can I use questions in that regard? And I never thought I would be in the, a position to launch my own work under my own name. Right. Uh, the first time I did this, I was like, what happened here? I'm, I'm what? But then I realized I loved it. I love that side too, where it's creative and daring and fearless. And, and I have to give myself permission to fail. I mean, I've never done this before either. So I'm like, well, let's go try this and see if it works. If it does, great. And if not, well, we'll try something else. Right. Um, and the feedback from people has been phenomenal. They're like, you disappeared like in the late summer. And all of a sudden you came back with this. And this isn't some half-baked, you know, first time 
They're like, Aaron, this work is beautiful. It's exquisite. And I must confess, I teared up a bit and kind of just glowed with pride when I heard that. But I so love the questions and the thought that I put into this work and what I could see it doing for people. Mm. And it's not just, you know, this isn't just a flash in the pan. Um, this is something I want to do on an annual basis with people. So I've kept it really what I'm hoping is a reasonable price point mm -hmm. um, because I want it to be of service. What would it be like if we all showed up for ourselves and knew really what we wanted to get done? Mm -hmm. It's like you with the visual thinking, okay? Knowing that this is what you wanted to do. Okay, let's get your life you know, ordered to help support that, mm -hmm. all right? Um, so yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm glowing and tearing up a lot on you on this ah. session, but you know, I'm, I'm really proud of that work. That is amazing, Erin. Mean, honestly, I, I'm really pleased for you. I think, um, you know, I'm I'm sort of just listening to you talk there, and I can just see the what it means to you. Uh, and I, I think it's absolutely needed. You know, when when we look at what's happening around the world and how people are being affected right now, definitely. A lot of people ask me, you know, why is it called magnesium? And then number one, is it just so happens magnesium is one of my own values, but. Um, Magnesium is actually one of the most abundant elements in the universe. It's the residue. It's what's left. It's what is left over after a large star goes supernova. So if you think of the old Carl Sagan quote, you know, we are all star stuff. Well, with all the magnesium that, you know, has filtered down into the earth and is in part of what we eat and everything, you know, we are all stardust. Hmm. We are all magnesium, but magnesium, once it, once it is a light, is incredibly hard to put out. It you know, burns with that really bright white light. And what would it be like if more people were burning with that? Yeah, yeah. You're getting me to think about my my school days of doing some of those scientific experiments now, and I can see that that magnesium sort mm -hmm. of spark. You probably did. You'd probably did burn some magnesium. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Now that sounds absolutely awesome, and. Um, Clearly, um, you know, you're, you're kind of driving this with, with all your passion. So um, I, I do really wish you the best of luck with that. And I can't wait to hear more. And when we have that check-in. Yeah, and we will, don't you worry. <laughs> awesome. Um, and again, we'll, we'll put some links uh, in the show notes. Oh, yeah. So if anyone's interested to know more about magnesium, um, sounds like a, a great initiative. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely do that. I guess just as we... Uh, sort of finish off we're almost at the end of time um, but really maybe any last words of wisdom from yourself for anyone out there who is either doing coaching or thinking about agile coaching uh, or just general sort of help and uh, tips from from yourself what I want to pass forward is really um how are we being of service to one another? So uh, when you were kind of giving me that, the intro of Aaron, uh, you were talking about mentoring and the like. And mentoring is hugely important to me. And I always keep, you know, about three spots open in my calendar for different people that I'm mentoring at any one time. Hmm. Because mentoring is the act of planting trees under which you will never enjoy the shade. But to do that, um, I want to encourage people to be thinking not short-term, but long-term. How do we be good ancestors? How do we build a cathedral? You know, what's the long-term play? And this is the side that um, equality, justice, how are we serving those ideals 
through our work. And I'm hoping that this is one of the next big challenges that Agilists are willing to lean into and take on is ensuring that not just people that look like us or think like us um, are given opportunities, but it's more open. Mm. It's more challenging. It's us living the ideals that we say that we believe and profess and uphold, but let's really put them into practice. You know, how are you being of service to someone else? Nice. And not with the expectation of something in return, but just because, you know what? Let's let's plant trees. Let's plant trees. That's phenomenal. I love that quote there that you mentioned. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in the show notes as well. I think that's- Yeah. No, I wrote a blog. I um, had a blog post I wrote about it and I had to go dig that up. And I think it was like an 18th century British minister that had a, a version of it. Um, I think I paraphrased it a bit and kind of made it a little bit more, you know, current, but his name was, was like Hyacinth Logson or something like that. We'll put that in the show notes too. But <laughs> I, I, I do love that planting trees under which you will never enjoy the shade. Yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the purposes of my life. Nice, thank you so much, Erin. That has been, I think, one of the most emotional uh, episodes <laughs> I've ever sat through. Um, <laughs> me as well as you. So, I, yeah. I just want to thank you for that experience because it's been absolutely phenomenal. These last uh, forty or fifty minutes have just flown yeah. by. Um, so, thank you so much uh, for coming thank on you. the show. Thank I you. learned a lot. Um, I hope our listeners out there learned a thing or two, which I'm sure they have. Um, and yeah, and, and I'm really looking forward to collaborating with you. Uh, looking forward to our check-in as well. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Heck, I see such great things. It was watching you open up when you're talking about, you know, as a child, you put that to the side, but bringing it forward now and you're like, it's quirky and I'm willing to experiment. And how do I, you know, and all of a sudden you're connecting with people in a different way. Yeah. And that's the purpose, I think, of a lot of this work is how do we connect? Hmm. Um, how do we connect? I use questions for that, um, but I love seeing what other people do. It's like we kind of get our arms around it all. Yeah, yeah. nice. Right, I know you've got another engagement, so I better not hold you any it's a, it's a big day, yes. Um, I've got a few client sessions right now, but uh, later today is, uh, I'm speaking at the Agile Toronto Conference and my topic, <laughs> I'm laughing about this even. It is better questions, better connection, better community. And I've obviously done a facilitation plan for this, but I'm also wondering if this just might wind up being a big therapy session as everybody just cries it out. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear how that goes for you. So, okay. <laughs> good luck with that one.